0: Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa, and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers, too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about how my best friend showed me true loyalty and friendship, and what it cost. Good friends will fill your heart. Hey, David. It's Grandpa. I must be the world's luckiest guy. Fortune smiled on me. I had a good friend. Granted... He died of cancer way too early in life, but our time together is forever etched in my memory, nearly 40 years later. Your father was slightly over four years old when we moved to Indiana. It was August of 1979. Up until then, we lived in northern Idaho, Moscow, and in eastern Washington, Spokane. We moved to Indiana to work with the church there. I was almost 32 years old. I met a man at church who had become the best friend I've ever had. His name was Steve. Our families meshed nicely. He had four children, and I had three. As I remember, and I think I'm right, they were staggered by age. I mean, his son, Matt, was first, then my son, Jim, then his daughter, Becca. Then my son, Jess, your father. Then his son, Andy, Jess's best friend. Then my daughter, Halsey. And lastly, his daughter, Beth, Halsey's best friend. Our families did many things together in the 11 years we lived there. Steve and I had moderately different upbringings. He was raised in rural Indiana, while I was raised in suburban western Washington. He was a farmer's son. My father was retired from the military, working for Boeing. But we had much more in common than these differences from varied beginnings. Two fundamental things brought us together and kept us together. I see them as the foundation for deep friendships. One of those is hard to explain. We just worked well together. As though each were anticipating what the other was about to do or say. There was an unspoken simpatico between us. Whenever we would work on a project together, it was smooth, it was fluid, it was effective, and it was fun. Knowing that we worked so well together and that we enjoyed working together, we entered into a partnership. We began flipping houses. But don't let that amaze you. The scale was tiny. We would buy distressed houses and refurbish them. When they were ready, we rented them through Section 8 housing. We had a plan in mind for all this, which I will share later. Here's an exciting aspect. From time to time, we brought our children to work with us. The older boys helped with demolition and clear-up, also with fetch and carry. They were sure good gophers, The younger ones picked up debris from the yard. They did it gladly because we paid them. A penny for every three items. It was Steve's idea. and The girls loved it. So we worked together. That meant making decisions together. It also meant accepting disappointments from each other with love and respect. It was us sharing a dream. Like I said, I'll get back to that in a little while. So, part of our friendship grew from our like-mindedness and joy of working together seamlessly. It was something we looked forward to. But even more significant was the respect that we each shared for God and His Word. Independent of each other, even before we met, we each accepted the Bible as God's Word. It gave us a moral foundation, a platform to stand on, A base to build our lives upon and the lives of our families. It was deeper than faith, David, it was commitment. We were committed to the ways of God. We saw it in each other, and therefore we entrusted ourselves and our families to each other. The kind of comfort and confidence that it gave us is to be envied. There was an ease of motion whenever we were in each other's house, there was no tension. No concern about our children getting mixed messages. There was just settled confidence. We rested in the knowledge that we each held a sacred commitment to God. Therefore, my children were safe when they were with Him, and vice versa. We built a friendship, welded together through common faith and shared lives. It was deep, built firm, and built to last. It gave each of us an extra measure of security, as the following story testifies. Living in the Midwest, we experienced some harsh winters. The temperatures occasionally plunged to well below zero. For most vehicles, that isn't an issue. Oh, sure, they take a while to warm up and keep the passengers cozy, but they do warm up. However, I drove a VW Rabbit with a diesel engine. Now, this is common knowledge to diesel truck drivers, but I hadn't experienced it yet. Diesel fuel freezes. Without additives to keep it from freezing, diesel fuel turns to jelly at any temperature below 10 degrees Fahrenheit. One night in mid-February, I was driving my little rabbit to a town about 35 miles away. Traveling west on Interstate 70, I was headed toward the town of Casey, Illinois. As I was approaching the off-ramp to a rest area, I noticed that my car was bogging down. It was a bitter cold night. I made it to the rest area and realized that my fuel had frozen. The car would go no further. Fortunately, I was at the rest area. This was before cell phones, but there was a payphone. I made two calls. First, I called a friend in Casey and told him I couldn't make it. Then I called my friend Steve. What follows is the substance of friendship. As I said, it was bitter cold. Steve was home with his family. I found out later that they were all nestled together in the family room watching Mary Poppins, with a fire in the fireplace. That's what he was doing when he took my call. Without hesitation, he got up from the cozy warmth of his family evening, put on his boots, pulled on his coat, went out, got in his truck, and came to rescue me. About 45 minutes after I made the call, he pulled into the rest area. I don't remember whether he pulled my car back to the house or whether he just took me home, leaving me to arrange to have the car picked up in the morning. I think we towed the car home that night, but I don't have clear recall. The bottom line is this. My dear friend spent two and a half hours, maybe three, on a bitter cold night just to rescue me. Clearly, this made an impression on me. It reminds me of what Jesus said. No greater love has any man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. That night, because I was his friend, Steve laid aside everything important to him for me. David, that's what friends do. I wouldn't count on acquaintances doing that. And I wouldn't count on superficial friends doing that either. But, if you have a friend who really is a friend he'll do that. And if you are a friend who is genuinely a friend, you'll do it too. The car incident taught me the value of a friend. Steve was more than somebody whose company I enjoyed. Steve was willing to lay it on the line for me. At some point in our friendship and our house-flipping partnership, a dream began to come into focus. We wanted to use our passion for the gospel and our income-generating partnership to enlarge upon our passion. We planned to combine the two by inviting young men to come work with us. We would provide living space in one of our rental houses. They would work on the houses and be compensated, thereby earning a living. In the evenings, Steve and I would train them to use the gospel to help people. It was a package our partnership providing income and housing, and our skill in the Bible providing training. We had big dreams. We envisioned being able, through partnership, to provide a living for young men as they went up and down the Wabash River Valley teaching the ways of Jesus. It was a great dream. Sadly, the dream was derailed. When Steve was diagnosed with level 4 melanoma cancer, life took a different direction. Initially, we clung to the dream, but in our hearts, we knew it was not to be. Steve fought a valiant battle against his cancer. Even in his deepest pain, his heart was set on the needs of others. That's probably why I loved him so deeply. He always put the needs of others ahead of himself. I sat with him all night on his last night. We opened the Bible. I read to him, and he listened. There we were, two dear friends doing what we loved the most, being together and reading about God. I went home before dawn to get some sleep. The ambulance came that morning and took him to the hospital. His family, his wife, mother, brother, brothers-in-law, and sisters-in-law Surrounded his bed. Grandma was there too, but I was home sleeping. After a while, she came back with the car so I could go to be with Steve. I wasn't there more than half an hour before he said his final words. Taking the oxygen tube off, he was finally free to express one last great thought It feels so good. Those words are etched in my memory. I said to myself, that's how a righteous man dies, pain-free at last in the arms of his Lord Jesus, whom he spent his life serving. But I cried a lot that year. Now you might shy away from the kind of pain associated with loving somebody so dearly. I tell you from the core of my being, David, the grief was bitter, the tears were real, and that grief lingered far too long. But I would not change a thing. What I mean by that is, I would not reject friendship because of the pain I might endure. Embrace friendship and deepen friendship, understanding that the only way to avoid the pain of grief is to love nobody. But the joy of love and the pleasant memories that waft like perfume through my mind so many years later, these tell me that friendship is even with its pain, is worth it. Shortly before Steve passed, his 17-year-old son Matt asked him, quote, Dad, what does it take to make it through life? End quote. You see, Matt was groping for all the fatherly advice he could cram into the few weeks he had left. Steve said to him, Son, all it takes is one good friend. David, my prayer for you, and for all my grandchildren, is that you find and culture such a friendship. It will bring great balance to your life. Never settle for superficial. Do you recall our family trip to Maui in December of 19? We all went whale-watching together. Do you remember the kind of vessel we used? It was a catamaran. A central feature of all catamarans is that they have dual hulls. This makes for great stability. It's even better than an outrigger. I want you to envision stormy seas and blustery winds. The stability that the dual hulls give the catamaran keeps them upright during the storm. Having one good friend like the kind I've described here is, in his own words, all that you need to make it through life. You'll face storms in your life. When you find such a friend, latch on to him. Lean on him. Let him lean on you. Remember the two essential qualities that made my friendship with Steve a reality. We communicated openly on the same wavelength. Oftentimes, we were able to pick up on a project right where the other was when he had to leave without briefing on the project. The other quality was a passionately shared faith. David, friends, can be powerful influences in your life. Like Steve said, all it takes is one good one. If I had a word of counsel for you, it would be this. Leave your heart open to being broken through grief. The benefit far outweighs the downside. You'll be open to a wonderful Enriching friendship. It could last you your life and support you in it. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I'm gonna talk with David about the dangers friends can introduce. Good ones inspire but bad ones will tear you down. Be wise and win. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore macarthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page, Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a joy-filled week.